So today, uh, I'm so excited that uh, you get to be here this morning because we have special guests in the house. My parents are here on the front row. I'm excited to have them here. Now, that's a blessing to me, but the blessing to you is in just a moment, my dad's going to come and he's going to bring the word this morning. And uh, we already had an awesome time at the 830 service. Uh, They pastor a great church in Hamilton, Georgia, and he's the presiding archbishop over a global fellowship of churches. And so anytime that they can be here, I'm so excited uh, to have them here. And and I want you to get your heart ready. I'm going to pray over this offering and these guys are going to receive it. And then the next voice you hear is going to be Archbishop Ken McNatt. So get your faith ready. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your house today, right here at the beginning of a great year that is, that is just chock full of potential. Lord, have your way. Have your way as we flex our generosity muscles. Have your way as we open up the word and open up our minds and our hearts to receive what you're saying to the church. God, awaken us in this season to all that you're saying and doing. In Jesus' name and all God's people said amen. 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 Thank you, gentlemen. As they serve you, would you uh, go ahead and, and, and make my dad welcome Archbishop Ken McNatt as he comes this morning to speak the word. Well, you're looking good today. Look at your neighbor, smile real big and tell them, you know, you're looking better than I thought. Just <laughs> amazing, amazing. Praise God. The Bible said he has created all things beautiful in its time. This is your time. Amen. Praise God. Well, it's a joy and an honor to be with you here in Wrightsville. A joy to be with my son, Pastor Aaron, and his lovely family. I hope you know how blessed you are. I said, I hope you know how blessed you are. We're happy that they're here most of the time. We miss them, but we're so thrilled they're in the will of God and that they're here with you partnering to do great things for the kingdom. Amen? My, my, what a great day it is for the body of Christ. And so delighted that my wife and I could travel and be with them for a few days. We've kind of missed each other the last couple of years because of schedules. And, of course, everybody knows what the pandemic did as far as invading your travel and your plans, but thank God that's in the rearview mirror. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, it's a great, great day to talk about a theme that has already been cast, which is awakening. Everybody say awakening. Now, just to make sure we're all started together, we all get started well together, Look at your neighbor and ask them the simple question, are you awake? (laughs) If you're awake, I believe me and the Holy Spirit can keep you there. Amen. Praise God. I want you to open your Bible, if you will, with me, please, to the book of James, chapter 5, verse 17. So good to see many familiar faces. If I had time, I could comment on a lot of you, but... It's just great to be here. James chapter 5 and verse 17, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. In the book of James 5, 17, same scripture, 
I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It said, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Father, we thank you today for the word of God. And we thank you that it has pungent power to touch the hearts of people, to change lives. And we're believing that today, by your marvelous grace, you will visit us. You will minister to us. You know each need. You know each life. You know each situation. And you know how to guide us through this moment, in this time element, that lives will receive exactly what they need from you. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen Amen. and amen. Martin Luther made a statement a number of years ago, of course, it was hundreds of years ago. He said, no one can believe how powerful prayer is and what it can affect except those who have learned it by experience. Whenever I have prayed earnestly, I have been heard and obtained more than I prayed for. God sometimes delays, but he comes always. How many of you are glad when you call, he answers? How many of you are glad that when you pray in the name of Jesus, the Father turns his attention immediately to your cry? Jesus said, in that day you shall ask me nothing, but whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. That's a big, wide-open blessing right there, that God will give you what you ask for, but you have to ask believing. And you have to ask in his name. His name, as you know, is above every name that is named in heaven and earth and beneath the earth. And God wants us to use the authority that is bestowed upon us for our advantage, our benefit, but also for the benefit of other people. And whenever we allow the Lord to use us that way, we're not only blessed, but more importantly, we become a blessing. Now, when you look at this particular story in the Bible, in James chapter 5, it's referring to a man of God over in the book of 1 Kings who was indeed a prophet. And he came at a very specific time in history. King Ahab and Jezebel were wicked in in their rulership or in their kingdom. And as a result, of course, it trickled down into the kingdom. And everybody was worshiping false gods and living reckless lives. And it finally became so corrupt that God raised up this unknown figure by the name of Elijah and brought him to the forefront. And when Elijah came to the forefront, he had a very short but powerful message. He said, it's not going to rain until I tell it to rain. See you later. That was the whole of his message. There is no scripture that gives any idea toward an introduction, a resume, or anything about him coming before Ahab. He didn't get an invitation. He just showed up. And when he did, he released that word. And how many of you know that word came to pass? For three and a half years, the heavens were shut up. But here's the part that I want you to wrap your faith around today. Elijah was human just like you. Elijah was a man just like you and I. 
When I say man, I'm talking about mankind. He was a human living on earth, and he believed that if he said what God said, he would receive what God said he would receive. And God had told him, you speak on my behalf and say these words. He spoke it. It came to pass. It got to the point that things were so critical, even Ahab and Jezebel were out looking for water. The water was gone. The crops were dying. The cattle was, was emaciated. Everything seemed to be lost. And at the right time, God always does everything at the right time. And at the right time, God spoke to the prophet and said, Now, I want you to go talk to Ahab again. And he went and met with him, and he issued a challenge. And the challenge was very simple. He said, You're serving false gods, and I'm going to prove it. I want you to have all your prophets meet with me on Mount Carmel, and we'll find out if Baal is God or Jehovah is God. And they came there, and they met on the mountaintop. And when they got on the mountaintop, the prophet said to the false prophets of Baal, you go ahead and you do what you do. Pray to your God and see if he will answer by fire. For the God that answers by fire, he will be God. The thing always amazed me is Ahab agreed to it, Jezebel agreed to it, the false prophets agreed to it. They ain't never seen fire. I can't get any help. They've never seen one prayer answered, but now they're going to call fire down out of heaven. They exhaust themselves. If you had observed their activity from a distance, Pastor, it would have probably looked like a Pentecostal meeting. They were rolling on the ground, and they were hollering and yelling. Now I'm talking about old-fashioned Pentecostal meetings. I mean, they were having their self a time calling on Baal, but nothing was happening. And then it turned from their yelling and their rolling around to literally tearing their clothes and tearing their flesh. And still no answer. And after they were exhausted, Elijah said, y'all about ready to let me have a turn? And you have to excuse me, I'm from the south, so I may not talk in good English. Said, yeah, go ahead. We're wore out. The Bible said that the prophet took a few moments to rearrange things. He rebuilt the altar. He got the wood in order. He got the sacrifice in order. Had 12 barrels of water poured out in a trench round about it. And the trench had seed in it. Because remember, it hadn't rained for three and a half years. And there's two things right now they need more than anything else. They need water and they need a harvest. So they got seed in the trench and they put water in the trench. For years when I was pastoring and preaching, I wondered why in the world did he pour water all over that sacrifice? I mean, they need water. Where did he get water? And I begin to study geographically and find that at the base of that mountain is the sea. Not good drinking water, but it's good for dousing sacrifices. And they were wet, and they were soaked, and he prayed. A prayer of less than 60 or a little more than 60 words. And the Bible said fire came down out of heaven. 
And when the fire came down out of heaven, it consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the altar, the seed, the water, and the dirt. It just got it all and presented it before God. And God received it because it was done in order according to his direction. Now, we could get into a lot of things there, but quickly, let's fast forward. 450 plus false prophets have been slain. The prophet Elijah is now on a mountaintop. His face is between his knees, and he's calling out to God. And as he's calling out to God, he's calling out to God to reverse the situation. It's one thing to close the heavens. It's another thing to open the heavens. It's one thing to turn off the flow. It's another thing to turn it on. And the prophet begins to cry out to God, and he sends his servant to look. What do you see? Six times he goes and looks out over the sea and says, I don't see anything. It's the same as it's always been. And the prophet never moved in his faith or in his posture. And he said, go look a seventh time. And he went and he looked again and he came back. And his response always has amazed me. He said, I don't see anything but I see a hand. It's a cloud, looks like a hand, coming up out of the sea. It's not big. It's just a little hand, a little cloud. And the prophet said, whoa, I hear abundance. I mean, he got excited about what he believed because all he needed was a glimmer that God was moving. Sometimes we want God to shake mountains and roll rivers down upon us and move the posts of the building in order to believe that he's ever here. But I'm going to tell you, the moment you got out of your car, walked across the parking lot and entered this sanctuary, God said, oh, I'm ready now. Yeah, he's here right now to do something and to show you that he still answers prayer. That's what brings awakening. It brought awakening to a nation. It brought awakening to a people with one prophet standing upon the eternal edict of God and believing that when I speak, heaven's going to respond. The problem with many in the modern day church is we don't have that confidence. We don't understand the authority that's been bestowed upon us. That we are here as God's representatives. We shout when we talk about being heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We shout when we talk about we are the sons of God now. We shout and we rejoice when we talk about the inheritance that is ours. And yet when we come down to the basics and saying, okay, now since you're all that, start acting like Jesus, talking like Jesus, moving like Jesus. Well, I can't do that. See, We have to get out of our head, our mind, and get into his mind. We have to get out of our way of thinking and processing things and think the way he processes things. Because God is not limited to man's degree. We are always thinking about the confining elements of time and space. God stands outside of it. From the realm of eternity, he speaks. And whatever he says, it comes to pass. 
And whenever the prophet saw that cloud, he took off running, went by Ahab's house and said, you better get yourself up and ready because I hear the sound of abundance. He never stopped to try to convince him or explain it. He just kept running, and he ran so hard that the Bible said he outran the horse and the chariot of Ahab because Ahab had already seen what happened when he said, let the fire fall. He had already seen what happened when he said, shut up the heavens. And now he just said, you better get ready. There's an abundance of rain coming. He believed him. My question is, do you believe? Do you believe that God can do anything? Do you believe God can turn your situation around? Do you believe that God can make a mockery out of the devil? Do you believe that God can prove the devil is the same liar he's always been? And when he comes to accuse or to afflict or to offend, there's someone greater on the inside of you that wants to express himself fully through those who believe. Touch your neighbor and tell them, I'm a believer, I'm a believer. Just let them know that. The Bible says in that same fifth chapter of James, the 16th verse, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Notice again what it says in the very next verse. After Elijah prayed, he was a man subject to life's passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly, intentionally. His, his faith and his prayers was intense. It wasn't passive. It wasn't some pusillanimous prayer repeated thing of another. Are you still here? Look at your neighbor and said, not weak, not watered down, but powerful. Uh-huh. I love what it says in the Amplified Bible. It says, confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart, the earnest, heartfelt, Continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Can I tell you that today, if we come into agreement through prayer, there is power dynamic in its working. And it will work for anybody that will but reach out with a feeble hand of faith. If you will believe God, I'm telling you Mark 9, 23 is still real and relevant. All things are possible. But Archbishop, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand the reports I've received. You don't understand the news I've got. You, you don't understand the life I've lived. I may not. But God says, I can override and overturn anything that the enemy tries to bring against you. It may be fact, but it's not truth. I can't get no help in here. I said it may be fact, but it's not truth. 
truth is right here. And the question still remains, whose report will you believe? It may be a fact that you're going through a financial crisis. It may be a fact that your children are acting crazy. It may be a fact that you don't know what your next step's going to be in your marriage or in your life. But I'm going to tell you that the truth of God says you are more than a conqueror. The truth of God says you can do anything through Christ who strengthens you. The Word of God says that you can rise up in the midst of any environment or circumstance and bless the Lord, and the Lord of blessing will come to your rescue. He will deliver you out of all your trouble. I said all your trouble. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, this is emotional. It don't matter. Well, you don't understand. This has to do with my mind. I mean... Uh, my mind's a mess, yeah? But God is the one who can touch your mind and can set it aright and can give you peace that passes all understanding. God is the one that can interrupt the normal process of things and show you just how great and marvelous he is. I'll never forget back in 1976, I was pastoring in a little community called Taft, Tennessee. And while I was pastoring there, the Lord led me to do something I had never done before. And that was to do a total fast for 21 days. Nothing but water. Now, I already was a small fellow. I only weighed back then about 129, 30 pounds maybe. I don't know if something got on me since then. But, <laughs> but for 21 days... Nothing but water, and I sought the Lord. I was in the Word. I was in His presence, in the Word, in His presence. And I really didn't know where I was going, except I was just obeying what I felt Him prompting me to do. Got to the place, and my wife will tell you, that I would go to the pulpit toward the end of that and have to sit and teach because I couldn't stand and preach. I was weak, and I was wearing suspenders to hold up my already small-sized pants. And the Lord spoke to me as we were going, as I was going into that last week. He said, I want you to begin to announce today because I was on radio five days a week in multiple places. And I was also on television. And Holy Spirit said, I want you to announce to the people, get it out there, that next Sunday night you're going to be praying for the sick. So I announced it. I let it be known next Sunday night we're going to be praying for the sick. Wherever you are, whatever your need, whatever your situation, come. I didn't know what to expect. The whole town or the little community, wasn't a town, a community of Taft, about 400 people. But I obeyed God, did what he told me to do. We got to church that night. You couldn't get in the parking lot. There were people there from everywhere. I'm thinking in myself, what are they doing here? <laughs> and somebody reminded me, you told them to come. And you said if they're sick, they can get healed. They've come to get healed. Oh, Lord. I preached a little short sermon out of Mark chapter 5 about the woman with the issue of blood. And after I preached that little sermon, 
still weak in my body from fasting. I said, I'm going to pray for the sick now. And if you need a miracle touch in your body, I want you to come. People began to line up, lined up all the way down the aisle and out the double doors. I thought, Lord, somebody's going to have to help me pray for these people. The first couple that was there, I didn't know them, never seen them before. The man spoke to me and he said, my wife needs a miracle in her body. She has scoliosis of the spine. She was born that way and her spine's become so twisted that it's now interfering with the organs of her body. And in the natural, it looks like she's going to wind up in a wheelchair and she will lose use of her limbs as time goes on. At least that's what the specialists are telling us. I reached out to pray for her. And before I could put my hand on her head to pray the prayer of faith, she just fell out like somebody hit her with a sledgehammer. I mean, she went back and hit the floor. Her head bounced off the floor about three times, and I thought, dear God, if she wasn't sick, she is now. <laughs> no, <I'm> <laughs> I was praying for sure then, oh, Lord, don't let her have an injury. Lord, please, don't let the prayer line start off like this. But when she fell, it sounded like about two or 300 people cracking their knuckles at the same time. And when she got up, she was as straight, and she was about three inches taller. God totally healed her scoliosis, gave her a miracle in so much that they went back and told it to the church. They were pastoring Arab Alabama Baptist Church. And when they got back to that Baptist church and started talking about miracles, it started stirring up problems. Well, we don't know about all that. Well, you know how she was and you see how she is. Well, see, where they really messed up is after I prayed for her, he was a pastor. I didn't know it. I reached out to pray for him and he went down like she did. But when he hit the floor, he was talking in another language. And as he began to speak with other tongues, all of a sudden it jumped off him onto her and she started speaking in another language. And God came down in that place, and it didn't have one thing to do with me except I obeyed the Lord. I said, I just obeyed God. And miracle after miracle after miracle began to happen. When that couple got back to Arab, Alabama, and gave their testimony about her healing and them being, the, being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Baptist church gave them the left foot of fellowship. You didn't get that here, so you're going to have to leave. Well, they left, and they went down, got a little storefront building. When they got that little storefront building, they called me and said, look, we just got kicked out of our pastorate, and we've rented a little storefront building wondering if you'd come down here and preach. I said, when do you want me to come preach? They said, next month. I said, well, I, I think I can do it. And so as I'm headed toward it, the Holy Ghost, oh, you know, God will mess with you. How many of you have been around long enough to know God will mess with you? He'll mess with your thinking if you'll listen. He said, it's 14 days before you go. I want you to fast again. I'm still holding my pants up with my suspenders. <laughs> and I went on a 14-day fast. And I went into that building, and the first night there was a lady with her little baby that came forward 
and they had a generational blood disease that eats away the flesh and the organs. And they were both already sentenced by medical science that you will die, you will not live. The baby will never see its second birthday. And mama, you could go at any time. But again, the same Jesus showed up in that meeting, touched that mama and that baby. That was on a Sunday. On a Thursday, she had an appointment with the doctor. She came back to the meeting on the following Sunday and testified. Here are the test results and here is the evidence. We have no blood disease. We have no problem in our body. The generational curse is broken. It was prayer and prayer brought an awakening to the miraculous. You're not going to see the miraculous just going through the rudiments of religion. It takes somebody that will stretch themselves out before heaven and earth and say, I'm praying intensely and earnestly. I'm praying on purpose. And I'm believing for results. Please stand to your feet. John Knox said, I will keep the ground God has given me and perhaps in His grace He will ignite me again. But ignite me or not in His grace, in His power, I will hold the ground. Somebody just kind of stomp your foot a little bit and say, I'll hold the ground. Yeah, I'm not going to be moved by anything or anybody. I'm going to do what Paul said. I'm going to pray without ceasing. It was John Wesley that said, Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin, do not desire nothing but God, and I'll show you a move of God that will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. And then he said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. I said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. Somebody said, wait a minute, God can do anything. Yeah. But he operates within the boundaries of his own word. You have to understand the legalities and the technicalities of the spirit realm and of prayer and how things work and move. Because in the beginning, God gave Adam charge over this earth. But he ceded the authority to Satan. And Satan is the God of this world. And so the only way heaven can invade the space called earth is for somebody on the earth legally. That means you came through the womb of a woman. Are you still here? Got on an earth suit. When you pray, you can open up the first and the second heaven and tap into the third. And God will step into the affairs of man. And there will be an awakening. Somebody just lift your hands and say, wake us up, Lord. Come on, just, Lord, send a spiritual awakening that will cause us to believe that you're moving right now, that you're doing great things right now. It's not what could have been. It's what is. 
It's not what should have been. It's what is. It's not what used to be. It's what is. You're moving right now in my life. You're moving in my family. You're moving in our church. You're moving in this community. You're moving in America. You're moving around the globe. God, we believe that you're doing what you said you would do. That in the last days you'll pour your spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision and your old men will dream dreams. Let it be so. Put a hunger, a craving, a desire within us that will not be moved or shaken. For I say this day, as your God, I'm ready. I'm ready to move for you. I'm ready to touch you at your point of need. I'm ready to show you my mighty right arm and to lift you up out of the pit to which you have fallen. Yes, I'm here, says the Lord. And if you will but lift your eyes of faith and behold my glory, I will solve your problem, answer your prayer, meet your need, and show you that there is still a God of awakening power who will quicken and bring to life. Yes, I am in your midst now. Call upon me and I will answer thee. Hallelujah. Somebody give God praise. He's a prayer answering God. I said he's a prayer answering God. You may be here today and maybe you're not serving the Lord, but you need to be. You know that things aren't working out in your life, trying to make it all happen by your ability, your energy, your intellect. You'd say, preacher, I, I tell you, I really need to get things right in my life. Well, you're in a good place today. Matter of fact, you're not just in a good place. You're in a great place. You may be here right now saying, well, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, and I know you've quoted Scripture, but I'll tell you my situation. Listen, listen. Nothing is impossible with God. And He loves you. And He believes in you. So if you're sick in your body, the healer is here. If you're dealing with an addiction or a bondage of some type, the deliverer is here. If you're confused or oppressed, the mighty to save is here. And He will bring you out. I said He will bring you out. And God doesn't just bring you out to bring you out. He brings you out to bring you in to something greater. And it's all in Him. I'm going to count to three. And if I could have the praise singer to come and lift up that song that you were singing at the end of the last service. And as it's, as it's sung, if you're here, you'd say, Archbishop, I'm in this service. And you know what? I got a need in my life. I don't care if it's spiritual, emotional, mental, physical. I need God to touch me today and I want God to awaken me to a new dynamic, a new dimension of prayer, of knowing Him and Him knowing me. And if that's you, as we lift up this song, wherever you are, I want you to come 
because God is standing here, arms wide open, and he's saying, come to me. Come to me. Would you do it? Come on, let's lift.